Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey, listeners, if you've been wanting to learn more about AI and some of the new trends happening in healthcare, check out this episode. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Arielle Effergan, is currently head of growth at MDI Health, which created an artificial pharmacology intelligence platform to reduce medication-related problems at scale. Prior to MDI Health, Arielle consulted for Altice Health, a multi-state specialty provider group, and was formerly CEO and founder at Pangea Medical. He also serves as an advisor to other healthcare or health tech startups. Originally from Chicago, he splits his time between the U.S. and Tel Aviv, where MDI's R&D is headquartered. Arielle, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's uh, definitely a delight to, to talk with you. Uh, it was fascinating to get to meet you at the PQA annual meeting this year and hear just a little bit about the company and the work that you're doing. Uh, technology has just boomed uh, since COVID. And uh, we'd love to hear, you know, the audience would love to hear a little bit maybe about what is MDI Health and, uh, you know, what, what kind of solutions have you all created in the AI space? For sure. Um, so I think uh, given that this is a show for pharmacists, mm-hmm. everyone here is probably pretty familiar with the, I would say, devastating impact uh, that suboptimal medication treatment can have on patients. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where the passion for the company comes from. Uh, and so what, what we did is we started to look at, you know, what is really effective in actually combating medication-related problems. And one of the things that kept coming back was uh, um, doing, you know, pharmacist-led interventions and really in-depth analysis. And so how MDI got started was one of our co-founders, she is a clinical pharmacist by training. She led and founded the pharmacovigilance department in the Ministry of Health and then founded uh, and, and led, uh, or I guess led pharmacy services and technology for the second largest HMO in the world and was having absolutely incredible outcomes. So people would come to her. She also had her private clinics to treat complex polypharmacy patients where they were in wheelchairs and started walking again. You know, they reversed early onset Alzheimer's and really incredible outcomes. And so our CEO came along to her and said, you know, this is unbelievable. You're literally changing people's lives just by giving them better medication treatment. And he said, you know, why don't we take technology and scale that? So that's essentially what we set out to do is to really have a platform that can be used by clinical pharmacists that really supercharges their capabilities. And what the platform does is it's typically used by payers to really tackle uh, uh, cost of care and increase the quality of medication treatment for their members. And they do this by identifying high-risk patients for specific adverse drug events and reactions. 
and we take into account thousands of influencing factors. So you're really getting a hyper-personalized analysis and then autonomously providing clinical recommendations to make changes to a member's medication treatment and ultimately prevent those risks from occurring. So that is uh, at a very high level what we do. Wow. Sounds very impressive. So let's back up a little bit. So the founder is, was she based in Israel and having all of these amazing outcomes? You, you mentioned Ministry of Health, which yes. don't have those in the U.S. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. So she's based here. Yeah. Got it. Yes. Well, and, and it's, it's always interesting to hear how pharmacy practice is so similar from, from state to state or, or country to country. Uh, and then of course there are, there are going to be differences, but that's amazing uh, to hear the, the, the great results. And, you know, really I, I have heard a lot of AI and technology being incubated out of Israel. Do you have any other, you know, thoughts or want to share about that or how you've, how you've brought that uh, innovation from Israel and how you're, you know, spreading that back to the U.S.? Yeah, for sure. So um, Israel is definitely known for its uh, technological innovations um, and startups. I think it has the most startups per capita in the world after San Francisco. Um, and a lot of them just that comes from the culture. You know, it's a very kind of can-do culture. Um, and so I think that leads to a lot of people wanting to try new things and seeing just the impact of technology. A lot of people go into that industry. Um, and so that's definitely uh, why we have the R&D still here, even though our entire focus is on the U.S. healthcare market. So we don't even sell in Israel anymore. And we only sell in the U.S. Um, but because of that level of innovation and just the caliber of technologists that you have here, our R&D is, is still based here. Okay. So that was, that's an interesting point to bring up, uh, you know, not only technology or, you know, outcomes and pharmacist care, but the healthcare system. So what, what made you guys make the decision to completely focus on the U.S. healthcare market? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, the U.S. healthcare market is uh, w one of the worst in the world. Um, Israel tends to have a pretty good healthcare system, um, just in terms of access to data. It's uh, more socialized medicine, so people have more access. And there's no other world that, uh, sorry, there's no other country in the world that compares in terms of uh, cost of care as it does in the U.S. Uh, if I remember correctly, the U.S. I think as a percent of its GDP is double the next closest country in terms of spend on healthcare. And we don't even rank in the top 20 healthcare systems in terms of quality of care. Uh, and so there's just a massive opportunity and massive need uh, within the United States to impact uh, quality and cost of care. Um, and then also from a personal perspective, um, you know, part of my job is helping to set the strategy of the company and I've had some unfortunate uh, encounters with healthcare throughout my life. Uh, and so that's, you know, a lot of my passion comes from you know, focusing on bettering the, the health system that I know and that uh, we want to fix. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, yeah, that, that's very interesting. And yes, uh, access to care is, and, you know, cost of care is de are definitely very important. In the U.S., does rank uh, among the top 
U.S., Germany, Switzerland. And, you know, I was reading this interesting book. I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to try to put it in the show notes. But uh, how the U.S. has so many different systems. Like we have one of the systems that Germany uses. We have one of the systems that Canada uses. We have one of the systems that, you know, the U.K. uses. And so we have a lot of different, like the VA looks different than, you know, Medicare and then you've got commercial plans. So it's, it is very complex. Um, there, there is a lot of good, of course, uh, in the U S healthcare system, but definitely, uh, some opportunities. And so, you know, using technology and getting the adoption of technology, how have you seen, you know, you're, you're having to sell into the the healthcare market here and talking with payers, um, how has adoption been uh, to embrace this and what kind of results and, you know, savings have you been able to demonstrate to payers? Yeah. So um, we've had quite uh, incredible traction, I will say. I think that we're at a point where people really, and payers in particular, really realize the opportunity to impact their members' lives and reduce cost of care from pharmacy-led intervention. I think it took a while to get there, but I think you you also see that in general where uh, certain states now are starting to classify pharmacists as uh, providers, giving them more authority and uh, ability within those jurisdictions, uh, which I think should happen at a much faster rate. but ultimately, the, the adoption by payers has been incredible because at the end of the day, you know, what we try to say is, is, is simple. So doing comprehensive medication reviews has been studied many times over in terms of its financial impact, uh, which is saving thousands of dollars. And so what we've essentially proven is that using MDI system does that, not only the analysis piece, but actually provides the solution, the clinical recommendation to tackle those risks that are uncovered in the CMR. And so for them, they've seen the value of it at a small scale. And so when someone comes with a solution that says, hey, let's take these amazing outcomes that you have, you're paying for these pharmacists anyways, because you know that they're driving serious impact for your members. Here's a technology platform that will scale the quantity and quality of, uh, of doing that for your members. So we've been able to do that uh, to a serious degree. So we've seen about um, a uh, uh, over 20 to 30 percent improvement in terms of quality of recommendation, in terms of identifying high risk patients. We just studied with one of our payer partners. We, uh, on average, reduced around 70 percent of the cohort that we analyzed from very high risk, meaning very high risk for a specific uh, adverse drug event or reaction, to moderate risk, which is a serious drop. And there's dollars tied to that. Um, when we looked at some retrospective data, uh, for very high-risk patients where our recommendations, had they been adopted in this uh, study, again, it's retrospective that it wasn't live, but had they been adopted, um, they agreed that uh, the recommendation would have prevented uh, a certain number of medical events. And the average savings was about 5000 and I want to say $400 uh, per member over the course of a year. Oh, wow. And are these mostly Medicare, Medicaid, or commercial groups that you've been working um, with? Yeah, so it's all the above. Uh, our primary focus has been on uh, Medicare, MA, uh, but also commercial. Um, of course, the, the sicker patients, there's more impact to be had, um, but we can definitely be impactful for the commercial cohorts as well. Got it. And once the 
you know, artificial intelligence, the platform has identified these high risk patients. How are pharmacists then coming in and making some of those specific recommendations? Yeah, so they see the recommendations in the platform and then they edit it, accept them or add their own that aren't generated by the system. Um, and then depending on how we're integrated with our partners, we'll determine how those recommendations are implemented. Mm. So typically it'll be pushed, you know, it could be pushed to the EMR, it could be pushed to some other proprietary system or sent as a fax and then implemented uh, by the prescribing clinician. Okay, fascinating. Well, could you talk to us a little bit more about, you know, your thoughts on pharmacy's role in reducing the cost of care? Yeah, so I'm not a pharmacist myself, um, but I think that getting really stooped in this world has seriously opened my eyes to the clinical impact that uh, pharmacists have. And when you look at, you know, analyzing how to reduce cost of care for a organization and just individual population, you know, you start to think about, okay, what is the best way we can segment? What is the highest impact per dollar we can have on an individual? And a lot of organizations will do that by focusing on disease state specific programs or chronic care management, etc. But I think that what has been proven is the, the, the clinical impact that medication treatment has beyond just uh, looking at the drugs and the interactions between the individual drugs, uh, but rather how it impacts the whole person and how that individual, uh, their health profile impacts their medication treatment. Right? So if me and you take the same medications, our reactions are going to be very different. And so when you think about dollar per impact uh, and you know that you have uh, these incredible clinicians who can drive that impact, it becomes very clear that having pharmacists as part of a care team, having them as part of the uh, you know, population health teams that drive a lot of these cost-saving initiatives is really uh, um, not only a huge advantage, but I would say critical. Mm -hmm. And uh, absolutely. And of course, I'm sure the listeners are, you know, yes. <laughs> uh, well, tell us, you know, you're also very steeped in technology and have a lot of expertise in that space. Um, you know, and we've seen adoption, uh, really drive up, uh, here over the last few years. How can technology be really used at scale, uh, to, you know, drive clinical, uh, impact? Yeah, so it's definitely a, a tough question. <laughs> you know, there's been lots of healthcare technology startups that failed. Um, you know, in the last few years, there's been crazy valuation given to these health tech companies that now kind of reality set back in and they're having to fire tons of employees. Um, they're having to reduce their valuation significantly. And I think it just goes to show um, how j just how intentional uh, uh, technologists have to be when trying to impact healthcare, because at the end of the day, you know, what is healthcare? It's caring for a person, an individual, and people are complex. And you need to be able to take that into account with your technology, with oftentimes is, uh, you know, very numerical or black and white in the sense that they try to analyze a patient population, come up with um, uh, similarities between patient populations, then tackle them in a really 
uh, standardized way if possible, right? But if you're able to be a successful technology company and the most successful ones have, they've implemented a certain level of personalization to the individual. Um, and so I think the, the technology companies that focus on that hyper-personalization and take into account really context-based analysis of individuals and, and have the understanding of the personalized approach and how deeply true it is that, you know, the personal component of one's care is what impacts their outcomes ultimately. Uh, I think those are the companies that can be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe just speak a bit more to innovation and, and startups. I know we started out the conversation with uh, Israel being a, a hotbed for innovation uh, and that sort of thing. And of course, San Francisco, you see a lot of startups coming out of there. Um, I'm in Nashville. We've got, you know, definitely a healthcare hub here with HCA uh, being founded. We've got LifePoint, uh, Community Health Systems, and then a lot of other startups that have uh, become, we've got Vanderbilt here, um, a lot of, a lot of different hospitals and, and healthcare here as well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you see as like the future for healthcare and how we can really use innovation to drive that forward. Yeah. So first off, you know, Nashville is an awesome place for healthcare innovation. There's a lot happening there. Um, in, in general, I think that innovating in healthcare is incredibly tough. <laughs> I don't think any, you know, entrepreneurs that want to just make a quick exit come into healthcare and and do that, you know, at the end of the day, we're caring for people. If we mess up, you know, someone could die. It's not that someone's food doesn't get delivered on time. Mm -hmm. And so I think the gravity of what's happening here really needs to be understood by organizations that are trying to innovate. And I also think that it's really important for both on the buyer side, right? So the payers, the providers, et cetera, employers, pharma, whatever. And on the other side of the innovators, the startups, the innovation groups, to really have a mutual understanding of what risk is acceptable. Right? These are mammoth organizations, like you mentioned, HCA, uh, that move very slowly, right? they're very risk averse. And so there needs to be some environment that is to a certain degree risk tolerant that will allow for this innovation to actually take place at a rate where you can track the outcomes but have that understanding that you do need that clinical validation. You need the clinical studies to prove your outcomes because again, it just it is a very high stakes business when you're dealing with people's lives. And so I think having that understanding from both ends of the startups, knowing that they need that validation, knowing that it is a slower process, but the buyers and the large organizations having the understanding that we have to create the space for innovation to happen or else it's not gonna happen. And a big part of that, which I'm not saying is easy, but a big part of that is being able to allow the organization to have a certain level of risk tolerance, right? And so be open to doing pilots with new technologies in a controlled way and have a very clear understanding of what is it that I need to validate this technology is what they're saying it is. 
And once you have that framework, I think it's much easier for organizations to come together with innovators and have successful partnerships that are actually impactful at the end of the day for patients. So, uh, Ariel, this has been really fascinating. How, you know, a lot of our our listeners are, are pharmacists or student pharmacists. We have some that, you know, are are in the pharmacy industry that may not be pharmacists. What, how would, uh, you know, maybe if any of our listeners are working with any of these payers um, or, you know, would others, maybe those that are in the pop health space uh, working with their, you know, large health systems or, or uh, employer groups or things, how would people, how, you know, like what kind of people need to know about this and how would they best uh, reach out and get some more information. Yes, yeah, so I think uh, anyone who's working in in healthcare and the payer space or value based provider space uh, who's working on population health, uh, this is definitely very very relevant to. Um, and you know you could look us up at mdihealth.com or email me directly at ariel at mdihealth.com. So that's a r i e l at mdihealth.com. Um, and yeah, we're, you know, always looking for people. We're growing as a company. So for passionate people who want to make an impact in healthcare. Um, and of course, for, for partners to work with us in, in scaling what we're doing. Um, we're, we're, we're very open. You know, we're all about the bringing in the right people that are passionate about this problem. Um, and I will say that for those pharmacists or clinically focused individuals, maybe the students, you know, I really think it's very important that they understand the business of healthcare. Because mm-hmm. I've noticed that there's a, you know, uh, a wall sometimes between the clinicians and the business mm-hmm. side of healthcare. Yes. And that can create a ton of problems. Um, misalignment between the organization internally, and also misalignment for what's best for the patient. And so I, I really stress <laughs> as, as much as possible that, that people who are clinicians, you know, doing the actual hard work and actually saving people's lives should take the time to try to understand uh, the business models in healthcare, because I think it'll make everything much more successful in being able not only to innovate and uh, uh, usher in the next uh, uh, generation of, of healthcare, uh, but will allow them to also scale that and really impact a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't agree more. I love, you know, having students on rotation with me and trying to explain more about the business side and, you know, what's out there other than, you know, pharmacy. Like we've got to know what, what are the healthcare trends that's happening, you know, across the board. Like it's great to get our pharmacy emails and know, that, but, you know, you really need to kind of also be getting some of these like, uh, consultant group, you know, just to see like, well, Oh, value-based care. What's, what's kind of happening there. What are some of the things related to health equity or innovation and technology? So I love that you, uh, mentioned that I went back and got my MBA after practicing for about 10 yeah. years. And it's uh, been incredibly helpful as I've moved more into the uh, administrative side. But I think it's, it's very, very important for the clinician to um, get that 
that perspective as well. So great, great piece of advice. Uh, and speaking of advice, something that I love to ask all of our guests is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for <laughs> others out there who are just getting started in their career? Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing is just focus on what you're passionate uh, about. There's a lot of draw to, you know, high paying jobs. There's a lot of draw uh, to just doing the, the standard path that was set before you. And to a certain degree, we're all set on some type of path. And so I think that being able to remove yourself from just continuing on that path and that cycle and take the time to understand what really motivates you and what do you really care about will make all the difference in your ability to be successful and happy. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I, w- I would take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've been able to, to find some really fun places uh, to spend your time and, and are advancing uh, some great uh, work to help um, reduce costs of healthcare and improve outcomes. So um, clearly you're passionate about innovation and love that you've been able to, to do that. Well, Ariel, it has been a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you very much for having me. This was awesome. <laughs>